Hi, this is Amelia from Arkansas, and I never listen to I Doubt It with Dollar Moore. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dollamore. All right, everybody, welcome to the show and thank you for joining us. This is episode 511 of I Doubt It with Dollamore, and I'm your host, Jesse Dollamore, and I'm joined by the lovely, the talented, the scholarly, a Brittany Page. Well, I sure hope that's not going to continue. <laughs> <laughs> I was, uh, it's a character I'm working on. Please don't. He's called a douchebag. The, char- <laughs> the character should not exist. All right. Mm hmm. Um, you know what else shouldn't exist, Brittany Page? What's that? Thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Modern day dentistry. <laughs> Not modern day dentistry per, uh, per, per se, but the manner in which it is practiced. Mm-hmm. What is it just, you know what, what I'm getting ready to go off and around about here. Well, I just had a filling yesterday, so I don't know what you're so in a huff, huffy, puffy what? Wow. <laughs> I'm really tired. Is this gonna, I hope this doesn't continue. <laughs> oh, my God. No, no. It, it's... Uh, I don't know. I didn't pay the bills when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if it was like this, but ma, when you go walk into a dentist's office now, mm-hmm. everything's a fucking upcharge or an upsell or this new thing they want to... Like, it's more of a sales pitch, like a hard... Mm-hmm. It's like walking into a fucking car dealership. Yeah. And... Uh, I wonder if that's the experience of anyone else. Mm-hmm. And if anybody out there knows why it's that way now, I would love to know. Mm-hmm. But I have, uh, I've gotten out of a fucking dentist chair more than one time mm-hmm. in the last few years mm-hmm. and walked out. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, uh, that's something. It's supposed to be a medical profession mm-hmm. where they're doing what's best for your health. And instead, it's just... Um, Seems like a racket to me. Right. I don't know. Well, explain what happened to you. Um, well, I so I went to this new dentist and um I, I got an x-ray and you know, nine months ago was the first appointment that I had with him, and he said that he was concerned about one of my teeth because I had a really old filling and there was a gray area underneath the filling that looked like a cavity. And he said it was possible that the filling was so old that it it had cracked or there was a crack around it and that stuff was getting down underneath there and that the cavity was going to grow. And it was really because... So when I was a kid, <laughs> I was a sugar fiend. Are you ready? Hashtag raised by wolves. I was a sugar fiend and I had no adult supervision. So I would like wake up in the middle of the night, close myself in the pantry. And there was not a lot of room in there, but I closed myself in there and I would just eat sugar with a spoon. Um, Or I would melt sugar with butter in a cup and eat that. Um, Or I would eat cookies, whatever kind of sugary thing was in the cabinet, I would be eating it. And so all of my (laughs) teeth rotted out of my head. And I'm not joking. I like remember licking rotten baby teeth when I was a kid. Um, So your own. 
my own. <laughs> yes, thank you for specifying. Um, and I just pinned that baby down and was just licking its teeth. Ugh, Jesus. So <laughs> this this filling that I'm talking about in particular, it's basically my whole tooth. And it's from when I was a kid. They had to fill like the whole tooth because it was completely rotted. Um, and so he said that he thinks he needed to replace the filling and get the cavity out from underneath it. But the first time I went, he wasn't super concerned, just something to watch, right? Right. By the way, it should be said that you went in to get your teeth cleaned. Right. Yeah. Yesterday. Well, yeah, but I yeah, but I had an x-ray the first time. So, yeah. so this time when I went in to get my teeth cleaned nine months later, he's like, oh, I remember that we were concerned about that thing. We're going to check that again, get the x-rays done, check it again. And he comes in. He's like, yeah, I'm, I'm even more concerned now. This needs to be, uh. we need to redo the filling. We need to get the cavity out and refill it. So I agree to it because I didn't want to get a root canal. He's like, it's really close to your root. If the cavity grows, it's going to be in the root and then you need a root canal. And I'm like, ah, I don't want that. Right. And um, he's the expert. He's the medical professional. Right. And I, I think it would be weird to say that you need to do a filling on someone who doesn't need that. I think yeah. that would be very strange. Um, so I agree. Bordering on um, illegal yeah, or so, unethical at the very least. So I agree to do it because I assume it's preventative because I don't want a root canal. Never had one. Doesn't sound fun. They're not great. And um, then he finishes the filling and it was pretty deep and it was not fun. And he tells me afterward that if I still have pain on Monday... This happened on Tuesday or something. I don't know. Yeah. Um, if I still have pain on Monday, I may end up needing a root canal. <laughs> and I was so out of it. I didn't have... I wasn't in my you, n- you, normal frame you, of mind. That's right. You called me on the way home and were beside yourself. Yeah. I, I was so shocked that I had agreed to do this preventative thing so I wouldn't have to get this thing done. And then he tells me I might end up needing this thing anyway. If I still have pain, I'm like, bro, I came in here. I didn't have any pain. Right. You told me I need this. Right, right. So I don't get that thing. And now you're like, oh, you may need that thing. What the hell is this? Yeah. Well, that's for sure. I mean, that that's largely why this bothers me. But the other reason is when when I went in a few months ago to get my teeth cleaned, I paid the money. This introductory offer. It's a place close to the house. We go in there. Uh, I fucking get x-rayed. The whole deal. They check the teeth. And they say, oh, well, you need a special kind of cleaning that's going to be more than $1,000. Mm-hmm. And now he's saying, they just they quoted that with insurance, that it's going to be $600 with insurance. And I think they're paying insurance like or insurance is going to pay them like 18 or they're billing the insurance company like 1800 or something. What in the f- what do I have a fucking shark mouth? What is happening right now? Mm-hmm. What happened to just they scrape the shit off your teeth with the metal thing and then they send you home? Yeah. What kind of space age bullshit are they doing that they're going to try to uh, charge me? 600 on top of billing our insurance. Mm-hmm. The other thing is uh, I there I do have a couple crowns that I need. Uh, one specifically that he wants to take care of. And they quoted after insurance $700 for the crown. I just got a coupon in the mail for some dentist office that's saying, hey, come on in. We'll 600 bucks. We'll do a crown for you. No insurance. Just six hundred bucks, and it's not some low rent organization, some outfit. It's 
like a fancy schmancy dentist office. Anyway, I'm ranting, but I just want to know what the fuck happened to, to dentistry, to, to the practice of, uh, of uh, their medical profession. The guy can fucking prescribe medicine. What happened? Apparently, it's rhetorical. No one has an answer. Well, I'm just kind of letting you go off because obviously you have a lot of feelings about <laughs> um, dentists. I used to love dentists. I wow. mean, I used to love going to the dentist. It was so fun for me. I mean, not when I was getting the fillings and my dentist was telling me a liar after he injected the numbing thing in my gum four times and I still wasn't numb. Um, he called you a liar. Yes. Like, I really I'm like, yeah, shoot that in my gum one more time. I really love it. I think I've told the story on the show that when I was in fifth grade in Missouri, Mm-hmm. I ha- I whimpered when uh, he was shooting in the Novocaine. Mm-hmm. First, I asked to see the fucking elephant cannon needle. Why would you do that? I'm a st- fucking stupid kid. And then I whimper a little bit. And he goes, ah, don't be a girl. Yeah. Uh, I- I would, I'd love to. He's probably dead now. But even I'm- the dentist the other day, <laughs> he said, OK, I'm going in with the needle. Most people close their eyes at this point. And he said, I would recommend that. Because they don't want you to see it. Because it's like, ah, what is that? <laughs> is, is there an elephant in the room? Why do you need that tranquilizer gun? What's going on? Right? I'm not prepared. <laughs> so I don't know why you would look at that. I don't even uh, want to see the needle when I get my blood drawn. <laughs> just, yeah. Just, well, I don't care about that stuff. Yeah, I'm just anyway. meditating. I'm more I'm pissed in a new off place. about the ethics of the matter, not the equipment they use. Yeah, I understand. But it, it, it is frustrating because it is like going to a mechanic where you're constantly, yeah, you're just wondering, analogy. is this true? Do I actually need this? Are you trying to get one over on me? And You shouldn't have that thought in the back of your mind when you're when you're dealing with a doctor. Yeah, it's really frustrating. And um but they they are always trying to do something extra, you know, a deep cleaning or whatever. They've tried to tell me I need a deep cleaning and I'm like, I floss my teeth. I, I won't say every day because it's not every day, although it is it's, pretty much every day. I bet you it's Six days a week, you're flossing those fucking On days. average, for yeah. sure. And I know people, and I've talked to them, <laughs> they will admit they never floss their teeth. Like, I have asked, how often do you floss your teeth? And they start laughing. They never floss their teeth, you know? <laughs> they laugh. Yeah. What, what's the, what is this joke? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, well, do you ever have to, like, does your dentist say that you need to get a deep cleaning? No. What are you talking about? No. No, they don't yeah, do that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so if people can never floss their teeth... And they can just get a regular cleaning, you know? I mean, come on now. Come on. I know. So is this genetic or something? I mean, what? So anyway, I'm going to call them tomorrow and we're going to see what the fuck. Just hoping they're not listeners. (laughs) I know. We just talked a lot about our dental health. Anyway, I just shit bothers me. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, it's no surprise shit bothers me. Yeah. Well, I'll also say I um, am not in pain today. Yeah, good. So I'm a champion. I dominated that feeling. You dominated. Yeah. I think he dominated it. You laid back there with your eyes closed as he was doing the work. I was slightly whimpering at times, too. I was like, "Mm." (laughs) (laughs) oh, all right. <laughs> anyway, we'd love to know if you're an expert in this fucking field. If you're a dentist, call in. Yeah, 657-464-76. If you're a dentist... Give us some insider tips. If you're a dentist, what I want is video of you playing the podcast in open air during at your practice. That's what I want. Yeah. Well, they were playing actually... this. This segment, I want to have video of this being played while people are getting their shit worked on. 
they were actually they were playing my kind of tunes while I was at the dentist like Brothers Johnson was on um, the spinners you know all this kind of stuff and they were talking about oh it's the oldies today I guess we're we're done with the country oh, oh my, my god, god. I'm so lucky can you imagine how much torture it would have been talk about getting up and leaving how much added torture it would have been to be getting a filling while listening to country music <laughs> I mean, they're not going to put you out for that, really. It doesn't seem fair. It's aggressive. Go Trump, baby! Aggressive. Again, the number, 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email voice memos from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Those two pieces of information should be in your phone programmed in at the ready to call or email us. And save your I Love Country emails. All right, save it. We can have differences of opinion on music. No one likes the Partridge family. I understand. I don't get pissed off. All right? Relax. Is that a preemptive? Sure is. Sure is. Let's let's play a voicemail and then get to a couple emails. Hi, Brittany. Hi, Jesse. I am calling um, in regards to your commentary that you made about the failing of our democracy. and especially in regards to how Nancy Pelosi is handling things. You know, uh, I am 43 years old. I have been um, a big believer that our democracy is built in a in such a way that when the things like this that we are seeing right now, that somehow, some way, those those things were there to and it would correct itself. It would it would make sure that this would not happen. And with that belief, in 2018, I, for the first time in my life, uh, mobilized um, with campaigns uh, in our community, my coworkers, my family, my friends, to send to Congress the very people, the new people you see sitting there, to hopefully um, start impeachment proceedings, start really investigating these things that we have seen go on for the past couple of years, wondering why are they why are they continuing and now here we are a year later and now i i feel like we've been lied to our entire life we are sitting in other countries iraq for example trying to preach our style of democracy what we believe to be true and the truth is that every single thing that we have in place right now as it stands has failed us and i'm i don't understand i'm hoping that in the process that things will come to light, the corruption, the the politics, the dirty politics. I, I hope that all those things will correct themselves um, by 2020 and that we are able to bring all the shit up to the top and clean house and hopefully reset and move forward. But as it stands right now, I don't understand why they are allowing it's just, it's horrific. It hurts my heart. I hate to watch it. And um, I don't understand why they just don't start impeachment hearings. We could investigate so much more than just the Mueller report. There's so much more to investigate, not only within just Trump, not only just Trump, but within the entire administration. It needs to be done. And it's pissing me off that we did all this work and the Democratic Party is still refusing. And this is how the GOP keeps winning, because they are dirty, and they play dirty, and they don't care. They do not care, and the Democrats just allow it. And this is also why they lost in 2016. 
Um, again, they are running a campaign that is talking about we just need somebody to beat Trump. No, we need policy. Policy is what's going to beat Trump. Show me policy that really affects people's lives. That kind of candidate is going to. Oh, no. Three minute, man. Oh, no. Google Voice does not fuck around. Oh, I was hanging on every word. I'm so bummed. <laughs> I didn't get to hear their end. Some good points in there. Yeah, for sure. Um, I was thinking today, and this isn't totally on topic, but um, people always kind of use these different offensive moments throughout Donald Trump's life and point to them, whether it be in his life or in the campaign, of it should have ended here. You know, and it typically um, the yeah, one of the more like popular ones, the, the reporter, right, yeah. is when he mocked the reporter at his campaign rally. But I think it really should have ended when he was talking about Tiffany as a baby and held up his hands to his chest yeah, we'll to see. motion the boobs. Yeah, we'll see if she has big boobs like her mom. Right. When asked, like, which features of the mom yeah. that the baby had. Yeah, and like, he, oh, does like, he have your nose? Does she have your nose or your ears or your chin? And instead he, like, play plays Will Ferrell's character in Wedding Crashers and, like, grabs the fake boobs on his chest and talks about yeah. the newborn baby's possible breasts at a future time. You know, I mean, Donald Trump has consistently showed us who he is over, you know, hundreds of times. And it's been consistent. Yeah. He's always been a douche. Always Always been a bad person. Yeah. It's always been pretty clear. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I'm trying to watch what I'm saying. And so, yeah, it bums me out. Although this talking point of the Democrats they won't ever uh, do anything. They don't play dirty, right? Um, Mikey alluded to this too. He kind of stole Bill Maher's talking point that he likes to use a lot, that Democrats eat their own and that it's something we need to stop doing, right? Stop criticizing, essentially. I think what it means is stop having standards. Oh, we have a, a member of the Senate who sexually harassed someone and it's a bummer. Well, we can't do anything about it because Trump's a bad guy. I don't really buy that. Although I do think there's some merit here that um, Democrats need to, you know, uh, not be so tactical about things. Like, why are we not? Why are we not proceeding with impeachment proceedings? Right. That bothers me Mm -hmm. because sometimes principle wins out. You don't not bring a murderer to trial because, oh, I don't know if we're going to win the case. You, you, you administer justice. You go through the process. And by not even doing it at all, what's what's the game here? I don't it just it bothers me a lot. Well, you know, Nancy Pelosi said Trump is goading us to impeach him essentially to uh, make make his base happy. She said solidify his base. So, so what is that? Uh, we don't want to give him what he wants. Argument? What does that mean? Yeah, I'm not quite sure either, because it shouldn't be the decision to impeach shouldn't be about what is politically expedient. Right. If there is right and wrong and wrong has been committed, then we do impeachment. Fast wrongs. It, it, Big time wrongs here. Right. It's not how popular something is. It is what is the next logical consequence for bad behavior? Like what should happen in this situation? Not, yeah. it, not is this going to look good? Right. Yes. It's it, But it's politics. So... Soulless fucks, man. Not a fan. It's very disappointing. And look, I, I've I've lived in in and around this this business for much of my life, and still I I, I can 
I'm never, I never am going to get over the fact that they are not great. <laughs> we'll, we'll just, we'll just say that. Anyway, thanks for the call. Didn't get your name on the call, so uh, we will leave it at anonymous. We appreciate it very much. I think we've got a couple emails. Yeah, back to the prisoners voting um, discussion that we yeah. were having. Kelly in New England wrote in, Hey, Brittany and Jesse, I've wanted to jump in on the prisoners voting conversation, but grad school finals have me busy crying in the shower. First of all, I want to say that I am firmly in the camp that prisoners should have the right to vote, but there are reasons in the Constitution about why they can't. The 13th Amendment says neither slavery nor involuntary servitude, except as a punishment for crime, whereof the party shall have been duly convicted, shall exist within the United States or any place subject to their jurisdiction. So prisoners in the U.S. aren't technically citizens. They are, in fact, slaves. No. I really recommend the Netflix documentary 13th that does a deep dive on this issue. This is why I never understood why so many people venerate a document that says I, as a woman, tacitly don't exist. And as a black person, I am only three fifth a human being. Okay, I'm off to read a deeply depressing yet dry book about jury trials in the 1920s. Love the show. And Brittany is the best part. Kelly. P.S. Is white writing on a black background with black and white pictures behind said white writing really the best possible choice for a web page design? Just a loving question from a loving fan. Yeah, I'm shitting on the website. Look, what am I, a fucking web designer? Come on! I barely get this done. Yeah, we've been talking about getting that dealt with for a long time. It might happen here pretty soon. Yeah, we'll see. Save your fucking snarky bullshit, mm-hmm. Kelly from New England. Good so, luck crying in the shower about your finals, though. <laughs> you're almost done. You're almost through it. Hang in there. Let me let me push back against some of that. With love, Kelly. Um, the 13th Amendment doesn't say that they're technically not citizens. Otherwise, if that, if that were the case, well, then we could deport people. We could get rid of people. We could... We, they would be... Uh, you don't take away citizenship and then grant it again. Um, also, they're not sl- not everyone who's in prison is a slave. I-, I understand the argument that that is a shitty line in the Thirteenth Amendment, um, but I don't believe that it that it states what you say it states r- relative to them not being citizens. Certainly, there are massive reforms that need to take place. Um, the width and breadth of our, ju- uh, our our criminal justice system. But to say that when you are imprisoned, you are no longer a citizen, there's just it's factual. It's just not true. Not technically, not anyway. You you are a citizen of this United States. So. So we got another email on this from Holly. Hey, Brittany and Jesse, in regards to allowing prisoners to vote, I'm on the fence, mostly because I don't know enough. Do they have access to enough information to allow them to be informed voters? I would assume they're not given unfiltered access to the Internet or a range of cable networks, in which case I would be against it. Love to hear your thoughts. And if you know more of what they have access to love the show, give kisses to Popeye. Holly. Hey, Holly, listen, um, uh, I, I'm not laughing because of. I'm just. I'm laughing because. No, Trump! This guy. Baby! This guy doesn't have. Uh, you think he's basing his vote on a lot of good information? 
If that's going to be the high watermark of whether or not people vote, then we're going to be disenfranchising people who have uh, shitty internet connections off in the woods. We're going to be, you know, people who who live, you know, in in different manner than us and don't don't interact in society the way we do. They don't get to vote. I don't think that that's a that's a standard. I also, I, well, let's just say I don't think it's a de, it's a deciding factor on whether or not prisoners should vote because they're pretty connected. They've got TVs. They've got the news. You know, mm-hmm. they're 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 as connected as many millions of citizens across the country. Mm-hmm. Well, remember how we also just talked about how twelve percent of Americans have never heard of Mike Pence, <laughs> right? And there's significant um, portions of the population that wouldn't be able to name the three branches of government. So oh, I mean, yeah. de- depending on the metric of what Holly is defining as informed, you know, I don't know necessarily what. The benchmark is yeah. for being informed. I would listen. I would challenge. This is something that always bothers me. Like you know, try like naming the the nine Supreme Court justices. Mm-hmm. Not even that. Naming how many Supreme Court justices there are at any given time. Right. Most people don't fucking know that. Yeah. So you just that being a standard or a benchmark for me just falls short because there's so many people who aren't informed, even people who think they're super knowledgeable, who just fucking aren't. And listen, I mean, the ideal is, yes, that every person that goes to vote has researched topics in depth, has researched every single proposition that they're voting on, um, has looked at both sides of it to see what the ramifications would be of their vote. But that's really not the case when you look at most people, I would assume. Uh, most people probably don't have the time to do that, right? To sit down and really read everything yeah. before they make a decision, really inform themselves. A lot of people don't have the tools to do that because they don't maybe understand yeah, certain in-depth sure. scientific issues or whatever it might be. So it's difficult to say, I wouldn't support them voting because they're not informed. Well, there's a lot of people that are voting that aren't informed. Yeah. A lot. I yeah. don't know what the number is because we'd have to define what informed means, but it's a lot. It's a lot. It's for sure a lot. Yeah. So. Yeah. But thanks for the, for the, hopefully this pushed you off the fence into the, to the, my new camp. Cause listen, I'm not coming down on people who, who think that it's, uh, who don't believe that prisoners should be able to vote because I was just there like fucking two weeks ago, three weeks ago. <laughs> what am I like? No. Fuck you idiots. Yeah. How could you guys think that? <laughs> That happens, by the way. For sure it happens. I'm not coming down. I'm just, you know, it it, it kind of, uh, it was Mikey who, who you know, on Patreon call. Mm-hmm. I think we've already talked about it. Yeah. Set me fucking straight. Yeah. So we got another email from Martin. Love the show and listen as much as I can. Not from the US. So time zones can be a pain. That seems like an interesting comment. Can't you listen to podcasts whenever you want? Oh, yeah. I think he means like when released. Like okay. sometimes they're released like, you know in the middle of fucking wacky times and shit. I see. I just wanted to say thank you for all the work that you do. Where Where's Martin from? I don't know. Oh. Bravo. Just maybe, maybe the UK. Yeah. We don't know. So that was a really nice message. Um, we wanted to read it because we like to feel good about ourselves. <laughs> I really like to feel good about and myself. And so that was, that was really nice. Thank I mean, you I, got for told, I got told on YouTube today that he wants to read my obituary ostensibly so he would know where my funeral or my grave is okay so he could go take a big country shit on my grave 
Okay. I think he added like "fuck you" or something there. Oh, the good, good, yeah. Like a sweetheart. Yeah. Good guy. <laughs> oh, it I'm is... loved. I'm loved by the people, Brittany Page. It is truly remarkable to me um, that these people exist. You know, there was a. Sometimes there's these tweets that go viral, and you're supposed to retweet them and then say something. And this one in particular was retweet with your most unpopular opinion that is 100% right or something like that. <laughs> Do people have unpopular opinions that they think are totally fucking wrong? Um, <laughs> Just... Well, anyway, you, you get the point. <laughs> of the yeah, yeah, yeah. And I saw several good ones. And one of them was from Paul Bloom. And he said something like, you are exactly who you are online. Like who you are online is who you are in real life. I I don't disagree with that. And then he had to do a follow-up tweet explaining, I think probably because people didn't understand, and he said, if you are a like good person online, then you're likely a good person in life. If you are a ignorant, hateful, like troll person online, then you're probably an ignorant, hateful troll person offline. Yeah, yeah. Right? What's to disagree with that? <laughs> I know. I'm like, how is this an unpopular opinion? Do some people believe that like the guy who wants to take a dump on your grave is like super cool? He's like a therapist. Yeah, right. Yeah. (laughs) He's like working as a therapist. He was was on his break from working at the soup kitchen to tell me, fuck myself, I should die. Yeah. He's dedicated his (laughs) life to volunteering for causes to help people. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds about right. Yeah. You know, he had just gotten off a long, long day of work at the oncology office where he cures people of cancer. Yeah. That's how he blows off steam after a hard day at work fuck you jesse dollamore yeah (laughs) oh Oh, it is good all right let's move on with the program support for i doubt it with dollamore comes from generous engaged intelligent and good-looking listeners like you by way of patreon Your support on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month helps keep the show going and move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you would like to join the ever-growing family of supporters, please visit patreon.com slash I doubt it with Dollamore. We have one new Patreon supporter, yes. Andre. Andre! Yeah, and he sent us a little message with it, so we'll we'll read this. We're very excited to have you, Andre. Very excited. First off, I want to say I'm still fairly new to politics, though since my father introduced me to your, your This Station about a month ago or so, if I remember correctly, but since I've joined, I've been well-informed and everything they say is factual, and I really just want to thank not only Jesse and Brittany, but also everyone else who helps them on Patreon. I think everyone should tune in. That is awesome. Yeah. I love the, the thinking. That's something I don't think happens enough from, well, I don't see it. I, I mean, it may happen, but we get thanked, and that's great, and of course, I love that, but Thinking the Patreon supporters is, you know, we, we say it every time, and mm-hmm. I think sometimes it loses its luster because uh, it's said all the time. Yeah. But it's 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 a fucking, we mean it when we say thank you so much. We appreciate mm-hmm. all that you guys do for us, supporting the show, supporting the YouTube channel on Patreon. It's a big fucking deal, and you guys don't get thanked enough. Mm-hmm. And other people appreciate it too, as you hear from Andre. Yeah, that's it's just it's good news. Yeah, and I want to say something because we we had an interesting um, message on Patreon. Someone was upset with the lack of enthusiasm in our thank you during this segment for their contribution, and so they deleted their pledge. 
And it was really strange to read because we are so thankful for anyone who supports us in any way. I mean, if you listen to the show and you don't even give on Patreon. <laughs> yeah, for 100%. We, we, we like can't Brittany, believe it. 100%. Yeah, we like can't believe it, you know. Um, if you've written a review on iTunes, if you shop yeah. on Amazon, I mean, whatever someone does, we are so grateful that people give a shit at yeah. all, you know. And, listen, and so it was kind of, it bummed me out. It bummed me out because I'm like, I hope that... I didn't say or do something that really caused this. And my perception is that this is kind of in this person's head. So, you know, I, I, I thought it was a weird message, but I, I felt bad because I don't want anyone to feel like we're thanking them less than other people. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. yeah listen, I, I'm a, uh, we're, we're, I mean, look, we've been doing the podcast for over five years now and YouTube in earnest for a year and a half, two and a half years or so. But we're not big leaguing anybody. We, we Absolutely don't th- not. We're not so used to that. This is just the what, what it is. This is our life. We just hubba dubba da. I just just started considering myself and calling myself a YouTuber. It's we don't think we're something fucking special. We feel very very lucky, right? To do to do what we do. Also, very lucky. Whenever we get a new Patreon supporter, it doesn't matter the amount. We message each other. If you don't message me first, I message you, and we're like, oh, we got another one. We got another Patreon supporter. Yeah. You know, we're always excited. So it doesn't matter the amount. It doesn't matter. We're always excited. Yeah, for sure. By people who care and write in and engage with us it's it's awesome for sure also let me say this and then we'll move on um we there are maybe a thousand ten thousand shows out there that are undiscovered that are way better than this show yeah we we're not just we didn't rise to the top because we're so fucking good at this and so awesome we we somehow resonated with a few people and it caught on that's luck Mm-hmm. That's not because we're fucking stellar, spectacular agents of thought and communication. Yeah. So Come d- on. So don't worry about things getting to our head. We feel really bad about ourselves. Yeah, we're assholes. Come on. We feel super <laughs> bad. <laughs> we need to be propped up. Oh, uh, every day. Democracy facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So where to begin, Brittany Page? Where to fucking begin with all of this shit? That's not a rhetorical question. I really want to know. We have uh, Donald Trump's tweet on the on the heels of Jerry Falwell Jr.'s tweet about deserving an extra two years. Right. Which we, is hilarious, given the fervor surrounding um, Barack Obama not leaving the White House, oh, yeah, which yeah. he didn't even retweet something about that. Everyone right. just like was afraid of that happening for no reason. No one was afraid of it. It was Sean Hattie and he his fucking rotted pumpkin head that started shit like that. We also have uh, Mnuchin refusing to turn over Trump's taxes. We have... Um, the former prosecutors, the giant list of like 600 former prosecutors now who have come out and said, absolutely, Donald Trump, if not for the fact that he was president or is president, he would be prosecuted or at least, the very least, charged with several felonies connected to obstruction of justice. 
We also have Donald Trump Jr. being subpoenaed by the GOP-controlled Senate Intelligence Committee. We also have Trump racked up $1.17 billion in debt. Oh, or shocking. losses in losses. That's so shocking. He's a, he's a genius at business, Brittany. Yeah, Over art of the deal. Art of the deal. And then, of course, we also have the White House um, declaring executive privilege and not allowing Don McGahn to say what he knows. You mm. know, because the Mueller report exonerated. He's totally exonerated. He just wants to keep all that stuff secret. Yeah, yeah. So where should we begin? I think just down that line All right. of what you just said. Or a pair of remarks of the weekend that some saw as warning signs that President Trump, if he were to lose the election, would not be inclined to accept the result. It started with a tweet by evangelist Jerry Falwell Jr. that he now supports what he calls reparations, two additional years added to President Trump's first term because of what Falwell called a, quote, time stolen by this corrupt failed coup. The president echoed that sentiment on Twitter about an hour later. Quote, despite the tremendous success that I've had as president, including perhaps the greatest economy and most successful two years of any president in history, they have stolen two years of my, our presidency, collusion, delusion, that we will never be able to get back. The word stolen certainly raised some eyebrows. This after House Speaker Pelosi told The New York Times on Saturday that she was deeply concerned the president might try to delegitimize the 2020 results should he narrowly lose based on what happened in last year's midterms. If there had been close contests last year, Pelosi told the Times he would poison the public mind. He would challenge each of the races. He would say, you can't seat these people. We had to win. Imagine if we hadn't won. Oh, don't even imagine. So as we go forward, we have to have the same approach. Well, here's where I, I said on this. One, I don't think there's, there's any worry that he would do this, that this would happen, that he would le not leave office. However... It does let you uh, into the, the mindset of Donald Trump that he's willing to disrespect and disregard our system and our, our foundational um, democratic, the organization of our government, mm -hmm. the institutions of our government. He's willing to disregard them and disrespect them so much that he even floats this the fuck out there. Yeah, it's pretty remarkable. You know, I mean, Obama didn't make any jokes about that until like, he was out of office already. Mm -hmm. He made jokes like, oh, ha, ha, yeah, blah, blah, blah. That, that's one thing you're, you know, you're being a funny guy. But not while you're in the office. And like, that could be a, a holy shit. And again, I, I, I sense what you're getting ready to say is go ahead. Well, I don't know if you sense what I'm getting ready to say, but I, I think it's also not a good thing to say when you're in the position that you're in, surrounded by all of these scandals, all of these investigations, and this complete and total lack of transparency yeah. to the point where there's no longer uh, press conferences. <laughs> there's yeah, just no, just, that's not a thing that happens anymore. I think it's been like 47 or 48 days. Right. Um. In addition to the weird relationships with dictators around the world, all of this stuff is taken together a, a problem when you're then retweeting this idea. It, it's not okay, you know? Well, what I thought you were going to say is imagine if Obama oh. had tweeted this. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking imagine what would have happened within the Fox News industrial propaganda complex. Right. If Barack Obama had tweeted, I'm owed an extra year because of the Benghazi and Fast and Furious investigations. Mm -hmm. Holy fuck. Yeah. It, 
they they might jump the, the, the fence at the White House and try to harm him. Absolutely. And Absolutely. I'm not being hyperbolic. I, mm-hmm. That might have happened if Obama had said something like that. Right. It's just the, the double standard is just fucking out of control. I'm so excited that I wasn't predictable. Yes. So, so <laughs> the other thing, well, not the, it's one of the other things is I predicted as soon as the Democrats came in, it's not really a toot and horn because everybody th- thought about it, but um, that Richard Neal, the, the House Ways and Means Committee chairman would, would subpoena or request Donald Trump's tax records. Mm-hmm. Well, it's official now. Mnuchin has pretty much told him to fuck straight off, and they're not going to turn him over, and now it's going to have to go to the courts. The Treasury Department has just responded to House Democrats, their demand uh, to see the president's tax returns. Let's go to CNN's Lauren Fox. Uh, Lauren, what are you hearing? Well, we just heard from Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin that he will not fulfill that request for six years of the president's business and personal tax returns. That request coming from House Ways and Means Committee Chairman Richard Neal, who had requested this information using an IRS section known as 6103 that he said gave his committee the power to ask for this information. This is, of course, breaking news and escalating this fight for the president's personal and business tax return information. Now, Richard Neal has a few options. He can basically sue, go right ahead and say that the Treasury Department is not fulfilling their legal obligation for this information, or he could file a subpoena on top of that and then go to court that way. So those are a couple of the options we have not heard yet from Richard Neal, this request being denied just moments ago. Wolf? And this, it's not a surprise, Lauren. Uh, we never anticipated that uh, Steve Mnuchin, the Treasury Secretary, uh, would go ahead and do this. Uh, so I assume the Democrats, Richard Neal and the House Ways and Means Committee and other Democratic leaders, including the Speaker, they have a game plan in, in mind to take immediate action. Well, absolutely, Wolf. You know, from the very beginning, Richard Neal has been clear that he's been building and preparing for a court case. He never expected this to come easily. Back when I interviewed him in November, he said that this was all about going slowly, being careful, being deliberate, making sure that all the ducks were in line for when the inevitable court case came to be. And obviously, it seems like we're moving forward with that sooner than later. Wolf? Thanks, Wolf. I'm sorry, Blitz. I meant Wolf, okay? (laughs) This, this is this is part and parcel to what I'm talking about about disrespecting the institutions of our government. This is the law. Steve Mnuchin broke the law. Steve Mnuchin is a criminal. I don't think that's too far. He's breaking the fucking law by saying, "Oh, we consulted with the Justice Department. They said, nah, we don't have to do that.'" The statute clearly states the Secretary of the Treasury shall shall comply shall furnish the records that were requested it's law it's in the u.s code and this this nonsense that they've um concocted about needing a legislative uh prerogative is just it's not in the law it's not there that's made up out of a whole cloth they don't need a reason they don't need to say oh yeah we all were considering doing this and that he did. Richard Neal did do that. Unnecessary. Unnecessary. Just more evidence that this particular administration doesn't give a fuck about the the co-equal nature of the three branches of government. It's so fascinating to me, the stranglehold that political bias has over people, because 
if we were in a situation where Hillary Clinton was president and she was refusing to release her tax returns and everyone around her was protecting her and going to these great lengths. I know where I'd be. Yeah, I know where you would be, too. But um, you would be seeing a lot different behavior. Yeah, we'd from... probably lose audience. <laughs> Yes, but but you would be seeing a lot different behavior from people like Sean Hannity, Laura Ingram. Yeah. You would be seeing them calling for Steve Mnuchin, if he were a liberal working for Hillary Clinton, to be arrested. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you're not seeing that in this case. And it's just a bummer that people only care about bad behavior when it's happening on the other side. Yeah. We should always be alert and on guard for this kind of stuff happening in our governments, regardless of who is in power. Listen, if they're corrupt, they're corrupt. We need them to fuck out of there. Exactly. And so it's a bummer that these people with so much power and influence are using that power and influence to brainwash people yeah. rather than give them the truth and help them be informed. Yeah. It's it's sad. So so the other the other thing here is this group of prosecutors, former federal prosecutors, former DOJ officials, who have all signed on to this statement. And th the number is probably over six hundred, at last count. With a combined total of like over eight thousand years of experience, this isn't just some. They were interning one summer at the Justice Department, and then they signed on to this letter. You have to have credentials to get to get in on this list. And uh, a major breaking it's not development good. involving the Mueller report from people who read the report with their own expert eyes. Nearly 400 former federal prosecutors. They have all signed this letter saying, were it not for Department of Justice policy not to indict a sitting president, President Trump would have been charged with obstruction of justice. And their letter outlines three specific categories of behavior the president committed as detailed in the special counsel's report. Uh, the president's efforts to fire Mueller and to falsify evidence about that effort. The president's efforts to limit the scope of Mueller's investigation to exclude his conduct. And the president's efforts to prevent witnesses from cooperating with investigators. So joining me now, uh, one of the people who signed the statement, CNN legal analyst Jennifer Rogers, a former federal prosecutor who's now a lecturer at Columbia Law School. So, Jennifer, why did you sign the letter? Well, I signed the letter because I want people to know what the Mueller report found. You know, no one's reading it. All they're hearing is headlines and what Bill Barr says about it. But this obstruction case against the president is an easily chargeable and easily provable case that would have been brought against anyone else. And that's what I think people should know. How did the letter even come to you? Uh, I got it from a former colleague of mine from the Southern District of New York. I think it just kind of started making its way around uh, people who used to work at the Department of Justice. But now that it's public, I think a lot more people who hadn't had a chance to hear about it before will probably sign on. Who's signing the letter? Left, right, center, all of the above? Everybody. I mean, certainly probably more Democrats than Republicans, I would say. But people who worked across all administrations, I think I read that it started with Eisenhower, actually, and, you know, all the way up to very recent former federal prosecutors. So certainly some prominent Republican names in there. So what do you want out of this? I just want people to understand what's going on. You know, 440 some pages, no one is, well, very few people are going to sit down and absorb all of that. So they should know that the takeaway is contrary to what the attorney general is saying. This is an obstruction case. Anyone else would have been charged. The president did obstruct justice. It's just that he can't be charged with it now. He could be charged after his term is over. He could be impeached by Congress because of it. But those crimes happened. 
I guess you want to want to educate the American public and it's a lot of pages in a report, a lot of complications that I'm going to guess not everyone has actually read. Uh, but do you want more than that? Well, I want him to be held accountable, to be honest. What does that with you. mean? I would like to see I would like to see Congress investigate impeachment. You know, they have to do their investigation first, but I think they will find high crimes and misdemeanors there. And if he leaves office in 2020, I would like to see him charged, actually. This is an easily provable case. Statute of limitations will run if he wins, but if he doesn't, he can be charged, and I think he should be charged. If Mueller testifies, do you think he would hint at this? In his testimony? So hard to say. You know, he's such a a cipher in that way. I think what he will do and why his testimony would be really valuable is, again, people aren't really reading his report and absorbing it. So he can get out there in the public eye in kind of, you know, sound bitey you know, little little snippets of information, what his report says so mm-hmm. that people can hear from his own mouth. Here's what we found. We found an obstruction case on this count, on this count, on this count. He won't reach the conclusions, but he'll tell us what the conduct was and what it means in terms of legally available charges. Okay. So just to give a little bit more information on who it is exactly that is signing this letter. Yeah, yeah, please. It includes uh, officials from a wide range of backgrounds, including former U.S. attorneys and other top officials from both parties. Um, Senator Richard Blumenthal signed it. Yeah. Um, But the Washington Post also reported that people signing the letter included officials whose time in government included every administration since President Dwight Eisenhower. Yeah. So going back, it goes back wide a ways. Yeah, yeah. And according to CNN, quote, almost 50 said they had served in the Justice Department for three decades or more. More than 30 signers said they had worked there during Trump's presidency, yes. including two U.S. attorneys who left their leadership post shortly after Trump became president. In all, more than 20 former U.S. attorneys who typically make prosecutorial decisions for their districts have signed the letter. Yes. This is not a partisan um, I'll tell you what, the, what, 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 this gave me some hope that we're not so sharply divided along political lines, partisan lines. If only members of the Senate and the House, Republicans, would look at this and understand that there will be electoral consequences to your disloyalty to the country. Because if you align yourself blindly to Donald Trump, not because of policy, but because of the power you feel you're going to maintain, there's going to be consequences. Because he's not going to be here forever. He's not getting those extra two years. He will be gone. I, I hope anyway that, that uh, there will be consequences. I like to make threats about things that I have no control over, Brittany. Right. I want to talk about your theory about George Conway because George Conway, obviously um, well-known attorney, uh, husband of Kellyanne Conway, um, now prominent anti-Trump tweeter. um, He has said that Trump's actions to obstruct the Mueller investigation amounted to, quote, high crimes and misdemeanors and that Congress should now get to getting i agree with all of that what do you think is going on there with george conway and kellyanne conway i think they're playing a game okay because one george conway is he's a guy everybody was like gives this guy a pass like he's a great guy george conway 
is a member of the Federalist Society. So he's all aboard the Kavanaugh train. He's all aboard the Neil, the Neil Gorsuch train. He has some toxic, virulently toxic ideas about politics. Mm -hmm. So he's not great in that regard. Mm -hmm. I What I, I think is more than likely going on, or very possibly going on at the very least, is that they're they're writing this thing out. That if, if Trump crashes and burns, she'll be toxic for a while to, to keep using the word. And then he'll have a little bit of capital within the capital. <laughs> okay. Within the beltway. All right. So it's kind and if, of. And if it's the opposite, if, uh, if Trump is victorious and uh -huh. a champion, he'll be a pariah and she'll be a hero. So they're trying to save their own asses. Yeah, they just want to. They're they're prolonging their political expediency within the Beltway. That's what I think. An escape route. Yeah, yeah, and I don't have any evidence of that. That's just you know the little conspiracy theory I've cooked up in my head. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's an interesting one. I yeah. will say that. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Anyway, um, then this week, actually, this just dropped today. Yesterday for you, likely, unless you are hitting the show right when it drops. Uh, Donald Trump Jr. has been subpoenaed by the Senate Intelligence Committee led by Richard Barr of North Carolina. Co-chaired, not co-chaired, um, ranking member Mark Warner of Virginia, Democrat. Yeah, that's right. The committee has subpoenaed Donald Trump Jr. to come back and testify after he first came before this committee in 2017. And what we are learning, Wolf, is that Donald Trump Jr. is in a standoff with the committee about returning before this panel. There's some concerns within Trump Jr.'s camp that this may be an effort potentially to walk into what they believe is a perjury trap. Now, what we uh, understand is that this, uh, these discussions about Trump Jr. coming back started several weeks ago, even before the Mueller report came out. But after the Mueller report came out, our sources are telling us that Trump Jr.'s position essentially hardened, and he has resisted coming back in, according to our sources. And, Demo and Democrats and Republicans on that committee are pushing him to come back. Now, what, uh, what we are told from one source familiar with the matter that Donald Trump Jr. may even take the fifth if he were to come to Capitol Hill and be forced to testify or potentially not come at all, which, of course, would raise a whole slew of questions and potentially they could move to moving, hold him to contempt, uh, holding him in contempt. That is not being so seriously discussed from what we know at the moment, but at least something that could be on the table if he were to go that route. But nevertheless, significant here, Wolf, that the president's eldest son, subpoenaed by this Republican-led committee as part of its Russia probe and now fighting with the committee over his testimony because they want him to come back. The question is, what will he ultimately do and how will the Democrats and Republicans respond if he doesn't come and answer their questions? So, you know, I was thinking about this and I think this is a big deal. The reason I say that is because uh, they subpoenaed him, mm -hmm. which means more than likely he was invited to attend, invited to come, and he said no. And then the only way to compel that testimony is through a formal subpoena. And if he's already floating that he's going to plead the fifth, that means that there has to be something that he fears would incriminate him that he would say. Not incriminate somebody else. You can't plead the fifth for somebody else. You're pleading the fifth that something you say will incriminate you. 
Now, I don't know where I am with uh, the fact that this is a Senate-led committee. Barr has, uh, he's pissed me off a few times. A lot, in fact. But he does seem to be more, he's less a Lindsey Graham guy. You know know what I mean? A total Trump bootlicker. Mm-hmm. Than he is... Um, Kind of what should be a senator is more deliberative and you know reaching across the aisle and trying to work together. They they seem to do to work pretty well together. He and Mark Warner. Mm-hmm. So this is uh this this could be a big deal, especially if they're getting him back in there to ask him questions about. Hey guy, what the fuck were you saying last time you were here? And then we read the Mueller report. And there's all kinds of shit in there that you told us that was the opposite thing. Mm-hmm. It's a big deal. Yeah, we'll see where it goes because you know. That is the Republican-controlled Senate. And Mitch McConnell did just say, the game's over, or the case closed, or whatever the fuck he said. Mm-hmm. In his drawn-out, well, the Democrats are mourning. They're just mourning. Mm-hmm. Fuck. He's the worst. Anyway, we'd love to know what you think about these and any other stories that are on your mind Of course, there is always the email address that should be programmed into your phone to send us voice memos from. I doubt it at dollamore.com. It's the asshole of today. Warwick Public Schools in Rhode Island. Warwick, Rhode Island. Mm-hmm. Well, Road Warwick Public Schools in Rhode Island is the specific asshole of today. All right. Got to get it right. I've been there many times. Got to get it right. Okay. Um, so they have announced that students whose families owe lunch money will be served cold sandwiches instead of hot food. Starting next week. What kind of sandwich, though, Brittany? A sun butter and jelly sandwich. A butter and jelly sandwich. Mm-hmm. Until their balance has been paid in full. So no peanut butter. Or a payment plan has been approved. They're going to give them a fucking sugar sandwich. Is sun butter butter? I. What else could it be? We should probably look that up. But this is one of those things where people are being shamed. And- sun butter is sunflower butter. All right. Well, it's fucking butter. Sunflower seed. Oh, butter. like so it's like a peanut butter type, like yes. a substitute. Yes. Yes. So it is a pe- like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Yes. Rather than so. Anyway, goddamn. Let me tell you something. This this is without a doubt poor shaming. Absolutely. Poor mm-hmm. shaming of. Kids of children who don't have any say over the matter. It's not like they can go out and get a part-time job Mm -hmm. to shore up the deficiencies in the the income of their parents. Uh, Nor should they have to. No. By the way. (laughs) Of course not. But I'm saying that they're fucking kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Innocent kids. Right. Um, It is poor shaming. It is embarrassing kids. You are singling the kids out. Everyone knows who the poor kids are. They can't pay for their food. And you're making it clear when you hand the poor kids the sandwich. And then everyone else gets the hot food. You understand? Did did I read correctly Mm -hmm. that a restaurant owner tried to pay off the arrears of many, many poor kids and the school district said, nah, 
fuck off. They're getting the sandwiches. Yes. Uh, so it was Jell's Kitchen is the local business in case you live in that area and would like to go to Jell's Kitchen. And they did offer to pay $4,000 to help with the lunch debt because it is $27,000. And they said no, because they need to treat students equally instead of arbitrarily selecting which debts to reduce. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fucking shameful. Yeah, it's really upsetting, but this isn't surprising given the climate that is created surrounding the poor um, by Republicans. And this largely comes from Republicans when they try to say, you know, you can't buy seafood with your food stamps. When they're trying to tell people what they can and cannot buy. And some of that I understand, but things like seafood and steak... I don't understand because that's actually nutritious food Yeah, you know with what? vitamins and minerals. You know what I equate it to? It's kind of like the question of, well, black people shouldn't be protesting that way. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, what way should they? Well, I don't, I don't know, but not that way. It's kind of the same thing. Mm-hmm. It's, well, they shouldn't be buying that kind of thing with their, then what? Mm-hmm. Well, they should be buying hard wheat and then they should grind it in their own grinder and make their own flour to make their own i mean what the come on what the fuck well and it it's also it bums me out because when i read those articles and they're like you know people on food stamps shouldn't be buying cake and ice cream you know when a kid has a birthday yeah and they want to have a cake and ice cream and um, or they want to be like everyone else and they want to have fruit roll-ups. Yeah. Okay. Just yeah. speaking from experience, I desperately wanted fruit roll-ups and those things matter. By the way, if I had a phone that I could call young Brittany page right now, uh-huh. I would be ring-a-ding-a-ding. Hey, uh, let this be a bit. I wish I had like the audio things to, uh-huh. Hey, uh, little Brittany, you little asshole. This is, uh, <laughs> this is Jesse D from the future. Oh, um, Fruit roll-ups are fucking garbage. Mm. So don't worry. You're not missing out on anything. All right? All right. Click. All right. That's how it would go. Yeah. That's not how it would go. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you get what I mean. Yeah, Where for sure. Kids, you're trying to say these people shouldn't have this. But really, you're just closing kids off from right. eating these things. And you know what? So So what? They eat ice cream. What are, is everyone supposed to suffer all the time? Is life supposed to be about suffering? Right? You don't have the money, so you need to live a terrible life and just subsist on nothing. Yeah, come on, it's fucking ridiculous. And you, you, you are the one who really brought me around on this years and years ago because it is it's out of their control, especially related to children. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so fuck uh, Warwick, Rhode Island school district. Yeah. Fuck those people. They are asshole of today. And uh, good job for Jell's Kitchen or Jell's Eatery or Jell's... Jell's Kitchen. Jell's Kitchen. G-E-L. G-E-L. Mm-hmm. Like like aloe vera gel that you put on a sunburn. <laughs> Jell's Kitchen. Mm, aloe vera sunburn gel. We love supporting poor kids. This is Jell's Kitchen. Yep. This episode brought to you by Jell's Kitchen. No, it's not. I think everybody knows it's not brought to a buy. Well, we have to confirm. <laughs> it's important to confirm. Brittany insists upon accuracy, everybody. Yes. It is a good time had by all. We will have a good time next time as well. Got a couple topics left over. We're going to talk about them. I'm uh, I'm all over this. See this professionalism I'm just, uh, exhibiting, Brittany Page? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, 
It is a good thing. We would love to hear from you. 657-464-7609. Email your voice memos from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. We will see you next time. Hopefully we're reading your emails and listening to your voicemails then. And until then, for Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollamore, and this has been I Doubt It. Well, I sure hope that's not going to continue. <laughs> <laughs> Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Hey, good morning. You're heading to the airport, right? Yeah, thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now. I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep, I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around $200 to $300. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code CAR for an extra 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR.